There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Tickets are on sale, folks. Uh, we keep saying it, and uh, we can't wait to come out to the West Coast of Canada. Uh, Edmonton, September 19th. Tickets are on sale. We're doing that show at 9910. Uh, Vancouver, Biltmore Cabarets. Tickets are on sale there. That's September 21st. We can't wait to come out there. It's going to be a really fun time. And uh, we got some great guests lined up. Should I say it? All right, I'll say it. Uh, Jeremy from Death Ed is going to be our guest in Edmonton. Sick. Uh, he is a funeral home director and a public speaker who talks all about um, getting your shit in order and and getting ready to die. And he's an embalmer as well, so he knows a, a thing or two about shoving tubes into <laughs> corpses and filling guys, them with purple goo. Guys, I have a daughter. I need to fucking get my death shit in order. Well, true. it'll yeah, be a good yeah. conversation with Jeremy over at yeah. Death Ed. Uh, and then in uh, in Vancouver, fuck, I'm so excited for this. In Vancouver, uh, we are having uh, for the live show our for the very first time for a full episode. Although this will be technically the second, the third time this person's been sort of on the show. Sort of, yeah. Uh, Caden Tanike, uh, a 17 year old boy who is living with dwarfism. He's such a little fucking charmer, and uh, and his father Jim is going to be with him because. Uh, because technically he's not allowed in the bar, uh, but uh, but he's going to have a chaperone. So don't worry, we're not going to we're not going to uh, break any laws uh, by getting the little guy drunk. Um, uh, so that'll be really fun. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a fucking killer show. So uh, tickets you, are on sale. Get them now. Do you think Caden will tell us? Do you think he'll be okay? I get the sense that with I feel like with uh, his parents they've got a pretty great relationship. So I feel like he'd be pretty open to this, but. Do you think that he'll tell us how how many drinks he needs to get drunk? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will find. We won't find out. But I I shouldn't actually joke to, about yeah. that. We're not allowed uh, to joke about that. No, like the no, laws no, prohibit no. us from yeah, making that yeah, joke. Yeah, yes, yeah, we yeah. only draw. We draw the line at the law. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the line uh, for us. Here's some crazy shit that was in the news this week. This blew my mind. Man, we are living in the future, baby. This was uh this this hit uh, many many news outlets, but. Uh, Scientists grow a, quote, synthetic embryo with brain and beating heart without a single egg or a single sperm. In a, not in a human, though. Um, was it a mouse? It was, a, it was mice. But yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. So we're doing with yeah. mice. So it was a yeah. mouse embryo. So, yeah. So scientists from the University of Cambridge have created uh, model embryos from mouse stem cells that form a brain, a beating heart, and the foundations of all the other organs of the body. And it represents a new avenue wow. for recreating the first stages of life. So th this, this, you know, when I, when I read the article, I was like, oh my God, we're going to be creating humans in, t in test tubes. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's not quite, I mean, 
we potentially it, could get right? there. Yeah. But that's yeah. not what this is for. And but what this is for is actually yet. quite quite interesting. Yet. Um, so the team of researchers led by Professor uh, Magdalena Zenrica Goats uh, developed the embryo model without eggs or sperm. And instead, they use stem cells. We all love stem cells. The body's master cells. Remember when everybody didn't like stem cells? I know. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. There was a time. Uh, so the, these master cells can develop into almost any cell type in the body. So by guiding the three types of stem cells found in early mam, uh, mammalian development to the point where they start interacting, the researchers mimicked natural processes in the lab. The scientists were able to get the stem cells to, quote, talk to each other by inducing the expression of a particular set of genes and establishing a unique environment for their interactions. Guys, I already have a script for a sci-fi movie based on this, and I'm wondering, I feel like this already exists. So because you guys are more uh, movie buffs than I am, yeah, yeah. let me know if this is already a plot in a movie. So um, the, this is, uh, takes place in the year 2150. And there is a class of people called the parentless. And these are people who have been born and raised in test tubes. But the primary function was that they were born and raised for their organs to be harvested just to uh, be used in transplants because pe the population is getting sicker and there's not enough healthy organs. So uh. they grow these people and they keep them protected in these like tubes until they're ready to harvest their organs. It's kind of like, the, it's like a, it's half matrix. It's like the it's matrix it, yeah. meets after Yang meets repo man. Oh, after <laughs> Yang dude. It's so good. Wow. So good. So, so good. Actually you should watch after Yang and then we should talk about that yes, movie on right. this show because it is so good. A, one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. And B, it is a movie that made me think about what it means to be sentient more than any other film I've ever seen. It's I, I saw the trailer beautiful. and uh, really and I good. got that from that. Bob, it really, looks really good. good. Uh, so the stem, stem cells. Uh, by the way, Brian, love that movie idea. Should we write the script? Fuck yeah, dude. All right, let's like do I'd it. watch that. That movie sounds baller. <laughs> and then you can have like you know, there's like two of these bodies floating in these test tubes, and they're the 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 uh, the tanks are next to each other. Yeah, and they're really hot. And they they fall in love, but they're they're in love through the glass. They're just reaching and touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it'll be uh, even crazier though. The opening scene is one of the bodies in the test tube, and they are like conscious, yeah. and they're reaching out, and the doctor's coming up to like chart them and like write down like, oh yes, like the the heart is fully developed, yeah. and and the guy is, reaches out, and he's like, what am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then, <laughs> and then when they realize what love is, that's like their hearts start to change yeah, and their hearts yeah. change to a point where like they're no longer uh, like, like apt for, for uh, transplant because they're just so filled with love because oh. right. like the they grow three inch, they grow three <laughs> sizes bigger. Guys, this is a fucking sick movie. I feel like this is actually just a, I feel like this is just a, like, a, like an amalgamation of many movies it is, that, yeah, we've no, all, that we've already seen and loved. I mean, what movie isn't? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so the stem cells self-organized into structures that progressed through the successive development stages until they had beating hearts and the foundations of the brain. Uh, they also had the yolk sac where the embryo develops. So, did you just say yolk? Yolk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is how you pronounce. I mean, I know people I say yolk, so. but it is it's yolk. <laughs> no, I don't know. How do you about say? That. How do you say yeah, the yolk. word that's spelled F O L K? 
folk. <laughs> I love folk music. <laughs> it is folk music. No, it's not. It is. It, folk, no, dude, the fuck up. I know people say folk, but a lot of people say folk. Because they because they're reading the word and they don't know how to pronounce it. Those people should be put no, down. No, no. Uh, so so the the sorry the yolk sac uh, <laughs> where the embryos develops and gets nutrients from uh, from it in its first weeks. So unlike other synthetic embryos, the Cambridge developed models reached the point where the entire brain, including the anterior portion, began to develop. Which just like I mean that doesn't really make sense to me how that's fucking possible. Uh, this is a further point in development than has been achieved in any other stem cell derived model. So I, th- I think I, you know, I see this is, this is kind of the thing that people were like stem cells. Ooh, I don't know. This is kind of the stuff that they were afraid of. I think stem cells were, I think the controversy around stem cells was that when they be cloning, wasn't it? No, it was that it was that when, when we started using stem cells, they've since the reason that they're not controversial anymore is because we don't have to obtain them this way anymore. We've, figured out different ways but we used to have to get them from uh fetuses from uh, from dead from uh, you know aborted fetuses or um you know like ectopic pregnancies or or whatever really um yeah that was the controversy was that you were basically getting them from like a like a you know yeah like a a human that would just never just didn't make it and and that was the controversy and then and i mean it wasn't gonna make it but then we Put it to use, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I generally like, agree with that. They? I also can see the, sure. I don't know, kind sure. of like because it's kind of like the, it's sort of like you know the our, the the conversation that we had about, uh, you know, like what happens to your body after you die, right? Like and the, you get, and you like get that whole <laughs> death trade shit, <laughs> right? And you're just you know? sitting in a chair and they just blow your yeah, bit, your fucking yeah. bits, your, exactly. your, your body to bits with a, an yeah. IED. So you can see why people might be, might it. feel uneasy yeah, about it. it. But I think we've since, we've since found a, a myriad of ways yeah. to obtain stem cells that don't involve fetuses. I so, feel like there's like a, fa, <laughs> fa, how do you say that word? Fagua joke in there? Fagua. I feel like there's one of those jokes in there. Something Isn't that like, like unborn or like young? No, no, no. Fagua is force feeding ducks. And it's a geese it's the, with with fat what's it's horrific yeah. what's the um when they apparently, when they uh, well uh, i don't want to say that you know <laughs> you say apparently it's not horrific apparently they love it apparently the geese are like give me that fucking tube that's what I that's what high-end so restaurants say so that you don't feel bad <laughs> so maybe that's skeptical it. of that <laughs> Hey, I don't know, man. I don't know. What's I'm the, just like, saying they run to the tubes, I guess. What's the type of <laughs> oh meat that's God. like pulverized young baby cattle or whatever? That's uh, veal. Veal, veal yeah. right. Or yeah, venison. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, nasty. It's Chicken wings. Same thing. Guys, I'm vegan now. Uh, so uh, here, here's idea. here's where this could come in handy, this, this technology. According to the team, the results could help researchers understand why some embryos fail while others go on to develop a healthy pregnancy. So kind of in line with some of the stuff that you and Kyler were going through mm-hmm. recently. In addition, the results could uh, be used to guide and repair and uh, the development of synthetic human organs for transplantation, which is also really fucking cool, considering we're at like a massive uh, shortage for, for transplant. That's one step organs. away from this sci-fi plot. It is. <laughs> uh, the study, which is the result of more than a decade of research that progressively led to more and more complex embryo-like structures, was reported um, this week uh, in the journal Nature. Um, Quote, our mouse embryo model not only develops a brain, but also a beating heart, all the components that go uh, on to make up the body, said Zenrika Goetz, professor of mammalian development and stem cell biology in Cambridge's Department of Physiology, 
Development and Neuroscience. She said, quote, it's just unbelievable that we've got this far. This has been the dream of our community for years and major focus uh, of our work for over a decade. And finally, we've done it. Um, A dialogue between the tissues that will form the embryo and the tissues that will connect the embryo to the mother is necessary for the healthy development of a human embryo. So three different stem cell types begin to form in the first week following fertilization. One of these will eventually develop into the bodily tissues, while the other two support the embryo's development. Uh, one of these em- extra, extra embryonic cell uh, types will become the placenta, which connects the fetus to the mother and provides oxygen and nutrients. The second is the yolk sac, <laughs> where the embryo grows and where it gets nutrients fr- in early development. So many pregnancies fail at the point when the three types of stem cells begin to send mechanical and chemical signals to each other, which instruct the embryo on how to develop properly. So uh, uh, Professor Goat said, uh, many pregnancies fail around this time before most women realize they're pregnant. Um, This period is the foundation for everything else that follows in pregnancy. If it goes wrong, the pregnancy will fail. Um, Professor Goat's group in Cambridge has been studying these earliest stages of pregnancy over the past decade in order to understand why some pregnancies fail and some succeed. She said, quote, the stem cell embryo model is important because it gives us accessibility to the the developing structure at the stage that is normally hidden from us due to the implantation of the tiny embryo into the mother's womb. So Mm. like we're getting, we're sort of getting to see this thing happen in front of us. Crazy. Whereas typically we it, it, it becomes hidden from science because mm. of the the way that the which uh, I bet will which I, I would imagine one of the <clears throat> one of the goals of of looking at that would be trying to figure out if there are any interventions that can be that can be created in order to make the likelihood of a pregnancy uh, higher in mm. that stage. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. So 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 like for Kyle and I, for example. And then Elon Musk can chill out on the whole uh, you know, yeah, just fucking totally, pumping out kids he's, everywhere. He's got he's, like he's, 15 kids. He's going hard on that. Um, cuz <laughs> if you go if, if if you were saying you know for, with Kyle and I we're trying to get pregnant and like who knows if who knows if she I, I'm a little bit fuzzy on like when this process is and like if you would miss your period or whatever but um if it's if it's in this like super early stage and it just like doesn't happen and like those in like you don't you never even get to the place where you would even start to consider or think maybe that you're pregnant um that you know you would go okay well we're trying to get pregnant and we know that maybe we've been having trouble so an intervention would be like oh well we know from this research that if you take xyz but whether it's like a simple supplement or whether mm. it's like a medication that gets that gets created because of that and they know that the embryo needs this like extra thing to make it more viable mm-hmm. that like you could then take that prophylactically to increase your chances which would reduce the necessi- the necessity of doing like IVF or mm-hmm. ICSI or something like that mm-hmm. which is like a huge financial burden and 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 inaccessible for a lot mm-hmm. of people because of the financial burden it it makes me think of uh <laughs> I was listening to Mark Zuckerberg um, talk about his the philanthropic work that he's doing with his wife. So his wife's a doctor and she's uh, a biologist. And a lot of the things that they want to study in the body, like this is this sort of perfect example of that. They happen within 
the body or in cells or in tissue and it's um impossible to observe uh, in a lot of these situations mm-hmm. but using oh, it was like the, he was talking about the brain uh, like brain synapse firing that yeah. you like, can't see that and so they were talking about Ooh. um ways to use machine learning models and right. um and uh like technology to be able to model these things so it sounds like um creating like the the most model in doing this i'm sure that there's a lot of ways to analyze the data and sort of then predict different paths or yeah. like these new drugs or things that will yeah. will be able to help either expedite something or fix something or do whatever it, it it's really interesting that we're at this like phase in in like the evolution of our species mm. where we're able to now use other technologies to understand things in ways that we'll never be able to understand yeah. but will give us these sort of answers and things that we can do <laughs> to to achieve the desired outcome in spite of the fact that we still don't know how it works Ooh. which yeah. is crazy yeah. yeah i was like i was like this is a little off topic but i was uh i was watching this video the other day this it was a vox thing on um this uh this laser that's in um, oh i saw that yeah it was it was like the super laser that that basically uh, sort of gives us a, a insight into the cores of of planets yeah yeah very and, cool video and that they that the that one of the researchers there was creating computer models yes and it was like she was trying to use the model to create um to create a process that happens in um, certain matter at temperatures at certain temperatures and pressures. Yeah. So it was like, it, it was like it, oxygen, it, like molecules, hydrogen molecules, um, uh, nitrogen, uh, uh, like, like molecules of iron. And like they're, when they're under such incredible pressure, like in the center of a, you know, the earth or the center of Jupiter, these, these atoms, the, the atoms of these, of these, these elements that they were looking at, they, they do really weird things, right? Like it was like, uh, I think iron like turns into this, uh, this like, this like volcanic kind of turns liquid, into just like a flowing liquid, flowing liquid, which they think is what actually create. And that flowing liquid has like a, a circular sort of like, like sort of like a, like the jets in a jacuzzi. And that's what causes the the the, the huge uh, red spot magnetic poles on okay. on planets, and that water turns yeah. into uh, like a diamond shaped block of ice, black black hot black ice. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the, yeah, but, the but the but the, what she was doing with the computer models was that she was trying to recreate what happens in like it was something like a hundred millionth, like three three hundred hundred millionths of a second of like a process that mm-hmm. happens with these molecules and how they shift, they shift, uh, form in under these pressures and temperatures. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a warehouse si- sized server Sup- farm, supercomputer that, that, that takes like an hour to generate this like fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a, fraction of yeah. a second of mm-hmm. a process. It, it was one of the process. largest supercomputers on the planet that, wow. is, using, that is doing this, this model. It and it really, and it takes like, it takes, days and days and days for it to just create like one short little like recreation man data crazy. data science is so interesting now Dude, it's mind-melting computers yeah. can tell you things that you can't understand like who to vote for yeah right yeah well that's in the voting machines themselves <laughs> right. they just choose as right. for here. yeah uh let's uh, let's talk about drugs uh love talking about drugs uh psychedelic drug helped people with alcohol use disorder reduce drinking which drug do you think it was? Uh, MDMA. 
Nope. Psilocybin. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 The fucking psilocybin. The, the drug that seems to, the medicine that seems to uh, have many different uses. It, it, it's, uh, it's becoming quite apparent. And it's but so infrequent. It's so, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I think that these people did like three or four experiences or something. Like yeah. That. So two doses of psilocybin pills, along with psychotherapy, helped people with alcohol use disorder reduce drinking for at least eight months after their first treatments. Uh, results from the largest clinical trial of its kind have shown. Quote, there's really something going on here that has a lot of clinical potential if we can figure out how to harness it, said Dr. Michael Bogenschutz. Bogenschutz, uh, the director of the NYU Langone uh, Center for Psychedelic Medicine and NYU Langone Health, uh, who led what may be the first randomized control trial of psilocybin for alcohol use mm. disorder. Uh, during the eight-month trial, 93 men and women ages 25 to 65 were chosen to receive either two pills of psilocybin doses or antihistamine pills, uh, which the researchers used as a placebo. They all also participated in 12 psychotherapy sessions. All of the volunteers were averaging seven alcoholic drinks at a time before the trial. Uh, more than 80% of those who were given the psychedelic treatment had drastically reduced their drinking eight months after the study started, compared Wait. to just over 50% in the antihistamine control group, according to the results published in JAMA Psychiatry. So what was it again? 80-something versus 50? 80% uh, over 50% in, yeah. the, in the control group. So with that um, control group, obviously if they're giving them antihistamines, then the dose that they're giving them of psilocybin obviously isn't enough to like have them experience some sort of like a psychedelic trip or... I think I, I I can't remember, but I remember an excerpt from that article where one of the guys that they profiled was like, as it, soon as I took it, I knew I wasn't in the antihistamine trial. So I think they're giving yeah. them a pretty. And there were there were some people that actually left because they were like, that was too intense. Okay, yeah. so they are yeah having <laughs> yeah. an experience. Um, um, but the uh, out of all those people, out of the eighty percent who were who reduced their drinking, and out of the fifty percent who reduced their drinking in the, in the control group. Uh, at the end of the trial, half of those who received the actual psilocybin had quit drinking altogether compared to about one quarter of those who were giving it to mm. So, uh, And eight months is a, like, that's a significant, like, mm -hmm. for somebody who's dealing with alcoholism, eight months is a significant amount of time. Yeah, the new research is part of a global movement exploring whether psychedelic-assisted th assisted therapy, including therapy using ketamine and psilocybin, uh, the active components in ma magic mushrooms, can be a more effective and alter uh, alternative to addiction and mental health treat treatments. Uh, Bogenschutz and his team specifically set out to test whether or not psilocybin, in addition to sessions of therapy, could cut cravings and help people with alcohol use disorders stay sober. Uh, earlier research from institutions around the world had indicated that psilocybin has the potential to treat a variety of addiction disorders, including alcohol use disorder, opioid use disorder, and addiction to even smoking. Mm. Quote, it's really in line with accumulating evidence that psilocybin and other psychedelics that work in a very similar way in the brain can be effective in treating different types of addiction, said Matthew Johnson, a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at Johns Hopkins University, who was not involved in the trial. Do you guys do you guys think that I imagine that this is hard? So um, so we went to Steve-O last night 
Steve-O was live here in Halifax. Yeah, Steve-O from Jackass is touring his bucket list tour. He came to Halifax last night. It was very funny. It was and fucking hilarious. He, uh, um, big shout out to Jill, our patron, who uh, joined us last night. That was yeah, awesome yeah. having Jill there. Yeah. Um, he mentioned, he was talking about this stunt that he was going to do where they were going to <laughs> give him uh, a uh, an anesthetic. And oh, basically yeah. the goal yeah. was to run as far as he could before he, or, or bike as far as he could before he, he um, succumbed to the anesthetic. Yeah. But Steve-O, who um, is a recovering drug addict or... A recovering or, everything, everything addict. Everything. Right. Yeah, he was, so, he was addicted to everything. So, and he was, he was like, I, I basically didn't want to do this stunt because one, the propofol that is used as the typical anesthetic, he was worried that that would, you know, cause Re- him relapse. to yeah. relapse. And so... I'm wondering about treatments like this for alcoholism when people are addicted to substances and then they and yeah. then they want to avoid using drugs is a psychedelic experience something that that some people would would want to stay away from even if it was proven to have I mean this medicinal yeah well so for, for the reason being probably that there's the stigma attached to psychedelic uh, substances being viewed as quote unquote drugs yeah. right but as um, a drug in the, in line with, uh, as a drug in line with an abuse, a, a drug that you abuse, right? Because yeah. they would still take like Tylenol, for example, right. because yeah. it's yeah, like yeah. prescribed yes, by a doctor. That's, that's but right. like the psychedelic, they're yeah. like, oh, well, that's I an illegal, that. that's an yeah, illegal yeah. scheduled substance. That's a drug. But here's the thing: um, there's been tons of data and studies that have gone to show that things like uh, LSD, things like psilocybin, um, they don't have. Uh, they they're not the they're not the type of substances that have addictive properties to them. Um, you know, you don't do LSD Every and then day. the next day go <laughs> fuck. I can't w-. like let's get the LSD going again. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not that kind of experience. No, yeah. no, you you really are like whoo. That was something. I, I should need really a little bit of a break. Yeah, <laughs> I should really let that sink in yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah, especially if it's not being used like quote unquote recreationally yes as yeah, well. yeah yeah right? but because even if like, it is when, when it's being used recreationally it's like even it's then experience. you still have it's that an experience yeah but uh, but i mean like mdma yeah. I, I i could see mdma having yep. a case for being addictive uh-huh. like there is there is something you know there's there's definitely something about that experience that is like oh i wouldn't mm. mind doing that again but. it is definitely like it is definitely a a a heavily stigmatized thing that i think that notion that you brought up where i bring like it, that's a major headwind for it being adopted, mm. but a major tailwind for it being adopted, I think. And, and for psilocybin and psychedelics in general, making its way, if it can be shown to treat something like alcoholism, alcoholism really has a huge gap in terms of like actual treatment that isn't, mm. that isn't um, like talk therapy or mm-hmm. psychotherapy. Along so, with opioid <laughs> addiction and all right. those things. Right. So where, so, so where, where, when you're talking about psilocybin in the case of like a uh, an antidepressant, it's like you're it's competing. It's competing head to head with major drug manufacturers mm. who are very invested in in people taking. And I don't mean this in like a conspiracy way. I just mean like you know they're a fucking company. They make a drug. They yeah. they want you to take it. Those drugs are taken on a regular basis every single day. Mm. And psilocybin comes in and goes like, hey, you only have to do me like every like four to six months. And maybe some, maybe you only need to do it a few times and then you're, you're and then done. that, that might be, that might mm. last you for a very long time. Yeah. So there's a, there's a competition aspect there. Whereas with alcoholism, it's not really facing, it doesn't face that headwind mm-hmm. of having to compete with like a drug that, that 
you know, an alcoholic might need to take every yeah. day to stay sober. Yeah, yeah. The, and the other thing too, like uh, with Ibogaine, for example, Ibogaine, there's, there's, there's people that are utilizing Ibogaine as a, as a way to, um, to heal folks who are like uh, addicted to heroin. And the, you know, the, 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 the studies that are coming out about it is that like Ibogaine is the type of thing where you do it once. You have one experience of Ibogaine, you come out of it on the other end, and the chances are that you go, okay, I don't want any more heroin. I'm done. Mm. I'm done with that. And so you just do it once and then you don't do it again. It's not like you're going to go, I should do that Ibogaine again. I mean, speaking I to the that stigma that, that you brought up, Bri, remember when we talked to, um, uh, fuck, I'm totally blanking on his name now. Andrew. Dude, there's like super early. Fucking, we, we almost have, I, we're about to publish our sixth hundred Vancouver episode. successful business guy, crack addict. Oh yeah. Yeah. Andrew. Oh, uh, the Wolf of wall street of Canada. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't, I'm blanking on his last name now. Anyway, we, we, so we talked to this guy and he works with, he worked with like the addiction, like the, like the, uh, whatever the addictions, um, like the, the national addictions, like organization for Canada. And he was, he he said offline <laughs> now i'm bringing it online um that uh that he was like he was like why well, I, I can't i can't have this stance publicly because it's not in line with the organization but ayahuasca is yeah. basically how i came to sobriety yep yeah and yeah. and 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 the stigma there is like he's not allowed to say that even though in his experience and in many people's experience, it is the path to sustained recovery for a lot of people. Why do you guys think that psychedelics seem to uh, like open people's eyes to this like more quote unquote better ideal version of themselves? Like how, like why does it seem to, and is it anecdotal where you just seem to hear about the good experience? Like, are there also well, these no, bad experiences? I, too, I mean, or is like, it like, I think, I think what, like some of this, the research that's going into this is like the, the literal like repaving of neural pathways. So like, you know, we, we have these, we fall into these habits. We fall into these like modes of thinking. We fall into these, these like world viewpoints where we see the world with a, with a certain lens. And then these psychedelics go in there and they're, you know, they're literally just retraining and like re 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 like they're altering the neural pathways that have been like stuck in these grooves. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're out of it and you're like, Whoa, fuck. Mm-hmm. I, I see the world differently. Now I feel about other things differently than I had before I went into this experience. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think those are the things that my, my assumption it's, you know, I, fuck, I don't and know. I'm not a fucking scientist, but that's my I assumption. Think, I think that, I think that we, and especially if you let's using alcoholism as the example, since we're since it's this it's the subject that we're on, you are when you are uh, in your normal state, which is like either sober or for an alcoholic, drunk or whatever that functioning zone is that mm-hmm. a lot of alcoholics are in. Um, it's very easy to lie to yourself. Oh yeah, super yeah. easy to lie to yourself. Subconsciously too. I think yeah. a lot of people, I think, I think we are very good at lying to ourselves subconsciously where we know that we have a, a fault yeah. and we, we never even face it because subconsciously we just lie to ourselves about it so easily on a daily basis. When you have a psychedelic experience, it's impossible to tell that lie. Yeah. You yeah. cannot tell that lie to yourself anymore mm-hmm. because you're so reflective that you face it 
and you are sort of forced into this contemplation of the thing that you now realize you've been lying to yourself about. Yeah. So I think you have a, a kind of like a self reckoning and then, and then it becomes for at least an extended period of time after that experience. Now, when that lie comes up that would have been subconscious before mm. it comes to the surface and you realize that you're lying and then mm. it becomes really challenging to tell that like lie therapy. to yourself. That's yeah. a, it's something that came up, um, in this, I was telling you guys, I, I had this intake session with this occupational therapist and she, she was asking me about um, things that I do in my life that help me feel better. And one thing that came up was... Um, Jerking off. <laughs> I was like... Uh, I was Skyjacking. Like, uh, Skyjacking. Um, I was like, I don't know if this is like, <laughs> well, like, is this weird to say in the setting? But, but um, taking mushrooms actually is one of those things that I know yeah. like once a year or twice a year, if I take... Um, a good dose of mushrooms and I'm in the right set and setting the day after things are a little, just a little bit more clear for me. And anecdotally, my experience when I'm feeling that is that all of the things that like cause me stress, like the superficial things in my life, like <coughs> whether it's like work related or, or relationship related, I feel like one of the feelings I get when I'm on mushrooms is, is this sort of like smallness to mm. my life and the importance of it on the global scale of things. Yeah. But it reminds me of the importance of also the people that I'm with at the, in that moment. So there's like this sense of presence, but this sense of like insignificance and the sense of like the only thing that is important in my life right now are my relationships, yeah. like friendships yeah. and, and family. And so all of those things that cause that peripheral stress, it's just like, yeah. well, that doesn't really fucking matter. And like, you can tell yourself that, on a, on a day when, you know, a day like any other day when you're just dealing with all that stress, it's easy for you to try to tell yourself that yeah. those things don't really matter, but it's hard for you to really feel it. Yeah. When you're on psychedelics, it's, it can be a lot yeah. easier to feel. It's like, it goes back to that, yeah. that point about the, the, you can't lie to yourself. You just like, can't, like and, the thought comes up yeah. and like, and you just go, oh, I can't, it's, I can't yeah. ignore that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like listening to a Ted talk. You know, yeah, you listen yeah. to a TED talk and you're reminded of all those things you just said yeah. and you go, oh yeah, right. Um, I should like, I should incorporate those things into my life. Like, <laughs> like, you know, meaningful com communication yeah. and more compassion and yeah. like, you know, building relationships to be happy in the end. And that's a reminder and those are great. But like the mushrooms, it's like that reminder. So it's like you're watching the TED talk, but also... You flooded feel with the feelings, <laughs> yeah, and you're you like, "Oh, it. yeah, yeah." It's Plus, like if you could uh, like upload, download TED Talks <laughs> into your fucking nervous system. Like it's yeah. TED Talks Plus, for your nervous system. Plus, the, Plus psychedelics are TED Talks for your nervous system. Plus the TED Talks. The problem with TED Talks. <laughs> That's good. The problem with TED Talks is then you're watching them on YouTube, and then there's a, mm. and then and then you get auto played. Steve-O getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five yeah, seconds yeah, after yeah. it ends, and you go, "Oh, that's funny." You go, you go. That's a good point. And then you go, "Man, what's on?" Pornhub. Uh, <laughs> what if that was like? What if? What if that was the like the the psychedelic therapeutic experience was just to watch TED talks on mushrooms? Yeah, I mean, hey, that that's it. that could be that. If that, you could hold your attention, you're on there. Um, so uh, one of the one of the people that took the study, uh, Kotas, uh, now 32, had a long history of drinking. He had his first alcoholic drink at age 12. That's quite young, and attended his first AA meeting by 16. Wow. Uh, throughout college, he would start drinking liquor in the morning, planning two-day hangovers into his schedule. By 21, he had entered his first stint into rehab. He tried everything to get sober, but nothing stuck, he said. And when he began the psilocybin trial at age 25, he was consuming almost 23 drinks in a single bender. 
Uh, less than an hour into the first session, Kotas knew he was in the psilocybin group. He remembers a vivid scene of a glass bottle of alcohol in the desert. The bottle disintegrated, which he interpreted as a symbol of quitting drinking. He didn't have cravings after that, but the second and third sessions sealed the deal, he said. Uh, during the second session, he saw himself being cut with a sword, which he interpreted as killing his addiction. In the third, he envisioned scaling a mountain, a symbol of overcoming his unhealthy relationships with alcohol. He compares his experience with psilocybin-assisted therapy to talking to an antibiotic for strep... Sorry. Uh, t- he, c- compare- he compared his experience with psilocybin-assisted therapy to taking an antibiotic for strep throat. He said, quote, you take the pills to wipe it out and it's gone, said Kotas, who has stayed sober since the trial and founded a nonprofit organization for psychedelic mental health research. Oh, crazy. We pretty, should have him on the show. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Um, that is that must have been a decent dose, though, to have those like, oh, yeah, the, those like pretty vivid hallucinations. <laughs> I haven't had that experience in a long time. Yeah. So yeah. how psilocybin may rewire the brain is a part of this uh, this article. Uh, after the first two sessions, the 93 participants were offered sessions of psilocybin, um, either third doses or the first ones for the control group and the ad- and additional therapy. Participants who received psilocybin two times within the 12 weeks reported meaningful experiences or visions that changed their relationships with addiction. Quote, everyone experiences it different, Bogenschutz said. Uh, people's brains appear to be able to kind of tailor the effects of the experience depending on what they come to the situation with and what they need out of the experience set and setting uh, researchers say they still don't understand what to what extent such experiences work to reverse addiction but it appears to play a very big role the science shows that in virtually all psilocybin assisted psychotherapy trials for substance use disorders greater mystical experiences was associated with greater therapeutic change said dr chris stofer uh, an assistant professor of psych- psychiatry at Oregon Health and Science University, who is leading clinical work on psilocybin through the VA Portland health care system and isn't associated with the new study. He said, quote, ultimately, we don't really know yet how this treatment works. So it's still up in the air, but there's some assumptions. Um, let's, uh, let's move. Oh, yeah, go, go for it. You got a pee? Super bad. Oh, wow, again. All right, we'll take a look. Well, this is a good time for an ad break. Beer gun, I'll go too. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. Hey, you're back. How was the pee? Great. Oh, dude, I feel fucking incredible. Good. Yeah, me too. Um, well, uh, COVID is, uh, you know, I, I just, I literally just flew back from Winnipeg last night. Um, and I was there for a few days. I was speaking at a, at a conference. Um, big shout out to Frontier School Division, largest school division in Canada. Crazy. Uh, met a bunch of really cool people don't there. I know really what that means. It basically, um, well, it's, that's really nice. It's basically a school board, but it, but it they 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 are the umbrella of like almost every school in Manitoba. They're like the Amazon of school boards, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it's 
fucking wild. Um, but it was really nice to be on the road again, speaking. On the road um, again. It's been a couple of years. Uh, you know, things, things, a lot of events uh, stopped. A lot of events changed. Um, but we are, we're getting back into kind of the swing of things, you know, like me and my partner, we're going to go to a, a music festival this year down in California in, in about a month. Um, That's so irresponsible of you. I know. <sighs> and I can't fucking wait. Um, so uh, lots of things are back in, in, uh, you know, full swing. And we all got, and, we all have some trips coming up. We do. We yeah. Do. I mean, we're going back on the road. Sick boys hitting yeah. the road again. We got some uh, college shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Algonquin. What's up? We're, we're coming to you. It'll be really fun. Um, well, here's another event that's happening that we're all very excited about. Uh, the World Gravy Wrestling Championships re- returned. Oh, my God. Wow. I've been break. waiting for that specific specific event. Yeah. A host of wrestlers took part in the 12th annual World Gravy Wrestling Championships at the hmm. Rosen Bowl Pub in Rosendale, Lancaster on Monday. Uh, the hmm. event sees competitors grapple in a pool of gravy in two-minute bouts, Pub restaurant manager Carol Lowe said it was amazing to be back. Uh, the charity event, which raises funds for East Land uh, Lancashire Hospice, was Lancashire Lancashire L- Lancashire uh, Hospice was canceled in 2020 and 2021 due to COVID. Yeah, uh, Miss <laughs> Lowe said people from far and wide want to watch uh, and take part in its return. And the atmosphere had been absolutely bouncing, she said. Wait, oh, wow. wait. So this is... Um, well, here, I get some photos for you. The, oh, the reason why we're talking... So, oh, my so, God. <laughs> there, wow. So I was so, like, what so, makes this sick boy relevant? But it was to raise money for the well, what, hospice? What, well, what made it... I didn't even know that that was what this was for. But what made it relevant <laughs> really was that... Uh, if, yeah, I just wanted to talk about it. Uh, Katie, our friend out in Vancouver, sent me this. Uh, it, uh, events are back. That's that's why how this relates. Okay, so so yeah. these, uh, you, if you're not watching on YouTube, there's two uh, fully grown gentlemen, one wearing a dress uh, and the other one shirtless, and uh, they are wrestling in gravy. Here's another one of a couple ladies uh, going at it, just covered in gravy. Kind of gross. Um, uh, this one looks. I mean, this is a <laughs> crazy photo. That's wonderful. Uh, we've got two very burly men, and one looks like he's about to have his neck broken. Yeah, he's about and, to be. Uh, yeah, these are the champions. Back. The champions. Uh, you've got the woman oh, on the left. Oh, like, he's dressed up as Ali G. Dude, that guy looks just like Ali G. He's dressed know. up. I think he's. I think he's he in costume. Sure. For he must as be. Ali yeah. G. Either that, or he is str- like exactly what Ali G was going for. <laughs> yeah. That is a uh, yeah. that is a sizable trophy. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, the trophy is like half the size of her. Yeah. How many gallons of gravy do you think they can fit in the trophy dude oh there's God. that's a lot of poutine that's a lot of willies that's like a that's so a is this just like is this just katie staying plugged into like home news oh she <laughs> loves it yeah she she's always sending me bbc articles <laughs> uh, katie's from uh, from london london um so uh basically people come in uh fancy dress men and ladies and they wrestle in gravy and get eliminated as the day goes on miss Lowe said uh it's very messy and uh, the men's event was won by lloyd clarkson uh, who it looks just like Ali G here, and uh, with Imogen Young taking the woman's title. So congratulations to Lloyd and Imogen. How do you win? You just like you have to submit the person know, in the like, pool of gravy. How, how do you win Greco-Roman wrestling? I don't know. Yeah, you fucking points. slam them points. Yeah, P- uh, putting somebody on their back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't anticipate that this would make me want to eat poutine so badly. It does kind of oh, make that right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. um, this is a little bit more in line with our shit. Uh, U.S. life expectancy has dropped in 2021 for the second consecutive year. Mm. I mean, that's co- that's you introduce a 
introduce a new yeah. thing that kills a bunch of people. And then, <laughs> yeah, it's it, quite interesting fact in here about uh, the last time we saw this happen. So U.S. life expectancy dropped for the second consecutive year in 2021, falling by nearly uh, uh, falling by nearly a year from 2020, according to a government report released on Wednesday. In the first two years of the COVID-19 pandemic, the estimated U.S. lifespan had shortened by nearly three years. The last comparable decrease happened in the early 1940s during the height of the Second World War. I think what's really important to to note about that for the average person is that that means nothing to their individual lifespan um, and wh- how, how long an individual is expected to live um, because it's it's just skewed by new data. So like, so when you, when people are like, Oh, in, you know, X, let's call it, uh, you know, the year 1400, you know, the average life expectancy was like 37 or something like that. And it wasn't because you were dying at 37. It's because so many babies died. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that so many people dying at age zero skew the statistic way lower. Yeah. Whereas people were living into their, you know, sixties and seventies regularly, but obviously we we've come a long way. So I, I just want to put that in there because, because well, no, 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 like we, we no, 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 don't, don't say that. we like, let's <laughs> here, just, we'll, we'll cut this out. Let, <laughs> let's, let, like, let's, I want to just, let me have a conversation with you. Okay. Okay. When I bring this shit up, mm-hmm. right. We're trying to fear monger. So okay. like, I don't want you telling, I don't want you telling these fucking people who don't get statistics okay. that they don't have to worry that they're going to die three years earlier. Yeah. We need them to be fucking afraid because right. Being afraid sells. Because yeah, fear sells. Fear sells. We yeah. literally talked about this in our last meeting. Mm-hmm. That That's we right. need to be yeah. doing and this And we more keep often. telling you, Taylor, to stop telling these fucking muggles that listen, probably people who like have cats, that they're going to yeah. die earlier, yeah, right? right? we got to scare them. we got to scare okay, them. Okay, so tell me when we're coming in, and then I'll just I'll kind of backtrack. All right, yeah, sure. So, okay. uh, all right, let's go back into it. We'll, we'll cut in here. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll remember to cut for yeah, sure. Yeah, so people are dying like three years, uh, th- nearly three years shortened life expectancy. Well, That's they, how scary is that? I mean, super scary. You're going to yeah. want to, I mean, that means that you are going to want to get your shit in order. That's right. And you're yeah. going to want to go out there, live life, and spend your money on our Patreon. That's right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And it is a big reason why you want to buy tickets to our live show in Edmonton so you can be prepared when we talk to Jeremy at Death Ed 100%. about how to put your ducks in a row because you are going to die three years earlier, way sooner with and, three years, way sooner. Yeah. And, and it's then, probably doing nothing but coming down. Oh, and, that's, oh, oh and God, honestly, yeah. if you're, if you have like parents or grandparents that are like <laughs> 71, 72, and, and if they seem incredibly healthy right now, Doesn't they're matter. not no. like, they're almost certainly going to die yeah. in the next year or two. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, life insurance policies start like jacking those up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, officials from the CDC, uh, pl- uh, blame COVID for uh, half the decline in 2021. Mm-hmm. Only half. A, a year when vaccinations became widely available, but new coronavirus variants caused waves of hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, other contributors to the decline are longstanding problems like cancer. Things we've been talking about a ton on the show: drug overdoses, heart disease, suicide, chronic liver disease. Mm-hmm. Cancer wasn't in there. Uh, it's a dismal situation. It was bad before, and it's gotten worse. Said Samuel Preston, a University of see see. Okay, just uh, we'll cut here. See what he said there. He said it's a dismal situation, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, it was bad before. It's gotten even worse. So he's like he's really fucking right. ramp. Like so, we really want to take take those really those words and like really play. Yeah, those just like just think about, just yeah. Think about the, the words that yeah. we use and just yeah. like just ramp it yeah. up. Yeah. Right here, we're, we're horrifying, scary. Um, okay. Life expectancy is uh, is an estimate of the average number of years a baby born in given a given year might expect to live, given death rates at the that time. 
Uh, it is, quote, the most fundamental indicator of population health in this country, said uh, Robert Hummer, uh, University of North Carolina researcher focused on population health patterns. Uh, U.S. life expectancy rose for decades, uh, but progress stalled before the pandemic. It was 78 years, 10 months in 2019. For men or for everybody? Uh, I guess for everybody. I feel like for in, women, it was like 83 or 84 or something. Maybe in Canada. We, we kill it with the uh, life <laughs> did, expectancy. Did they get um, uh, Mr. Hummer's quote? I'm not sure if it's in this article, but I heard him on the news saying that we should be afraid, like be super afraid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I just skipped a paragraph there. You're right. That is exactly what he said. Okay. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Um, in 2020, it dropped to 77 years and last year it fell to about 76 years in one month. Uh, the last time it was this low was 1996, uh, back in the, uh, back when we had that horrific event uh, in 96, the, the, uh, the 96 death blow to, uh, population, yeah, right. um, life expectancy, which we're all familiar with, which we're all familiar with. I believe with. he and also said that we were poised to have the darkest decade in the last mm-hmm. hundred years. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. In all seriousness, uh, it's, it's, kind, it's, of it's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, declines during the pandemic were worse for some racial groups, uh, and some gaps widened. Uh, for example, life expectancy for American Indian and Alaskan Native people saw a decline of more than six and a half years since the pandemic began and is at 65 years. Uh, in the same span, life expectancy for Asian Americans dropped by about two years and stands at 83 and a half. Uh, experts say that there are many reasons, possible reasons for such differences, including lack of access to quality health care, lower vaccination rates, and a greater share of the population in lower paying jobs that require them to keep working when the pandemic is at its worst. Hmm. Uh, it's likely the declines in 2020 and 2021 will stand as the first two consecutive years of declining life expectancy in the U.S. since the early 60s, the CDC officials have said. Interesting. So um, be afraid. Be very afraid. I'm, 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 I'm sad that I missed... Uh, because uh, I believe you guys had the conversation when I was in the hospital with Kyle when we were having Zaya, but I missed the conversation with the demographer. Oh mm-hmm. man, yeah, and that, yeah, I, I'm too. I am too because you're the one that set that up, and you were so excited for it. Was that um, Sarah? Was there a name? Sarah? Yeah, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, it was, that was a wonderful conversation. Because like just fun. like the way that because 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 although al- although stuff. the statistic of like life expectancy isn't necessarily or it definitely is not the be all end all for your individual life. It is fascinating to look at it from a population sense, from, yeah. like a, from a zoomed out version, and go like, "Well, what does it mean when a when what does it mean for a country for a country to produce policy like like pension age or something like yeah. that, for, yeah. for example, because due to an aging population yeah. or a declining uh, uh, life expectancy uh, number and stuff like that, like that is that type of like macro stuff is is interesting because then. Because even though the the life expectancy number might not directly be related to you, it will influence things that ultimately will directly affect you, yeah. like policy. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing, though, about like looking at things from the macro perspective is it oftentimes will lead to this like sort of one size fits all approach to mm-hmm. um, prop to solving problems. And um, the thing that I think frustrates me most about like political solutions is that um is that we have the technology and capability to look at things (laughs) 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 to to look to look at things at more of a a micro perspective and like and and apply different solutions for different 
um, areas and, and, but we don't do it because, you know, we used to do this. We used to have to ride on a fucking horseback from, you know, our small city to the federal capital to like apply yeah. for this thing to happen. Yeah. And then right that was after the thing. we got a vasectomy. Yeah. <laughs> how uncomfortable was that? Right? Oh my God. Oh, that and, was the bit that I was trying to remember to tell Kyla. Fuck. Yes. That's what I find is really frustrating. Yeah. Because uh, data really doesn't mean that much. You know, yeah, like, I mean, like it's not going to affect you today, right the, now. The one thing you can yeah. look at the data and go, you, you just go, oh, something fucking happened. That yeah, but year. it's both. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like it's both. It's it's that it's that an individual's experience is not going to explain a group's experience, and a group's experience is not going to explain an individual's experience. Totally. And it's you have to know what both of them are because they're both influencing each other, yeah. and understanding like what balance to strike with that information is how mm. you need to use yeah. data. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to what the hell? Uh, doctors shocked after man's head swells to double its size. Holy fuck. Dude, oh, man, that was my dream that I told you guys about. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I had this dream. I'll t- I'll, well, fuck, I'll just summarize it really quickly. So I'm... I'm yeah, uh, people love hearing other people's dreams. Okay, so Go for yeah. it. This is what happened. It's going to be very quick. Okay, so, Sim so, Hospital. So, so did you guys we, ever play Sim Hospital? I did not. I was not a big Sims guy. <laughs> oh, uh, love it. So I had a dream that we were recording. I think I saw a, a post from Justin Baldoni and his wife, like right before I went to bed. Yeah. We were recording with Justin Baldoni's wife. We were having this conversation in the on, dream on the yeah. uh, in the dream on the top of a mountain as like you at the would peak if you were of a mountain with, with emily yeah. right and we had uh we were in a cabin and you guys we sat down to record and you guys both went uh okay i'm gonna we're gonna go and i went oh okay and then you were gone for three hours and i was trying to like make small talk with emily and like hang out and everything and 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 divert from the fact that you guys have been gone forever yeah so i go back inside i get you guys and you guys are just hanging out and i'm like what the fuck we gotta go record so we go back out we record then we're like was that weird and i was like yeah i think it was weird because you guys were gone for three hours and she was fucking pissed <laughs> then i go to brush my teeth i brush my teeth <laughs> and then you i start i start feeling my mouth swell up and i turn to you and i go is, i go is my mouth is my mouth is my mouth swollen? and i look back at the mirror and my whole face is gigantic and you looked like this guy dude yeah i felt like i felt like my whole head was like that and i and i looked at you and i went and i went oh my god i know i could hear my skin cracking ew that because it was swelling Ew. And then I went, I having a little reaction. Oh, God. And then you ran to get me an EpiPen. And That's like one of those up. weird teeth dreams where like all your teeth fall out. Like, <laughs> Why is this happening? Uh, doctors shocked that a man's head, sw- head swells double its size. Here's a photo of the man's head. And that is swollen. And it looks probably double its size. Doctors, um, uh, when a 33-year-old man returned from the beach with a swollen head, they were shocked to see his head. Uh, Canner Eric uh, spent a few days enjoying the sun in the city of Zongoldak, Turkey. Uh, that is, uh, that is until 23rd of August when he looked in the mirror and saw his features were distorted. Uh, Kanner quickly went to the Zongoldak Belint Ekivet University or Dude, BU. Do you speak Turkish? Uh-huh. I do. It is. Uh, uh, there's a lot of Turkish <laughs> listeners uh, tuning in right now. Dude, so. Turkey loves me. <laughs> there's, dude, uh, tur- Turkey's social media, like main social media, that's where we get a lot of our... A lot of our um, social media presence is from t- Turkey social uh, media. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's no joke. <laughs> uh, so uh, so he was examined by multiple professionals at the ZBEU. 
And after investigation, doctors found that Canner's swollen face was caused by heat edema, which is typically only seen in the hands and feet. Here's another photo of him. Oh, my Whoa. God. Wow. You know what he looks like? That looks he so looks like, he looks uh, like a Yoana exactly. in Jacechuk after she got punched in the fucking face by Li Zhang. A thousand times. Um, after investigation, so, they, so they, it was heat edema. For anyone not familiar with the ailment, uh, heat edema is caused by a buildup of fluids that move into the hands and legs. Um, speaking of the baffling case that occurred on Canner's head, Dr. Ho, uh, Hokagi said, we have never encountered such a case before. Um, so the, the, the buildup, the fluid builds up into the, usually the hands and the feet. Um, and then gravity causes blood vessels to expand and which results in the swelling. Mm. Um, he said, quote, we will publish this situation in a rare heat induced skin edema on the scalp at an inter international Congress. After excluding the causes of localized edema on the body, we decided that the swelling on the forehead of the patient was heat edema. We started treatment for this. The healthcare professional went on to add that the incident occurred during a particularly humid period in Turkey. Hmm. Quote, this happened when our patient was lying by the sea while he was wearing a hat that would prevent circulation, which, you know, oftentimes you go to the beach, you want to wear a hat, stay, keep that shade in your face, right? Uh, that's why it's an interesting case, said Dr. Hokagi. Um, Canner's case is now being studied by doctors as the man is said to be recovering at home. Heat edema can often occur in hot countries and frequent exercise slash massage of the affected area can help reduce symptoms. So how do you, how do you exercise your forehead? You just, you just do this. It's gotta be just <laughs> blood flow, like moving your ears. Like <laughs> uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, mild edema usually goes away on its own, particularly if you help things along by raising the affected limb higher than your heart. Harder to do, hard, hard to do that with your head. Raise Wait. your head higher than your heart. What? Just be just <laughs> stand like, so you're what, like, so you're saying it's easier it's easy to do that yeah yeah i mean yeah. no you're doing well, it well no what i mean is times. that it, like how do you do that if you're already doing that like if they're going oh you got heat edema well raise the part of your body over your over your heart you're going it's already it's raised, already yeah. fucking up and my head's exploding i can go no further i up. can't I, I can't pull over any further <laughs> <laughs> i i imagine that he was he was um I like i think the thing well. that was omitted from this article is that he um just walks around on his hands all the time yeah yeah he's yeah and he's so he's he, just a hand walker yeah. and he was doing a uh, headstands at the beach and i'm surprised i never why. got heat edema biking in bali yeah fucking a thousand degrees yeah. in the middle of the day so anyway folks um don't wear a hat when you go out into the hot sun because you'll get heat edema in your head and and your and also your life expectancy is a lot shorter than it was and uh there's a good chance that we're going to be stealing your stem cells to create uh, humans that live in parentless. jars, parentless humans that live yeah, in jars that fall in love with each other and their hearts their grow five times the size. Harvest organs. Um, there was another article that I wanted to cover today, but uh, we've run out of time because I got to go. Um, but I can't wait to cover it next week. And it has to do with a really crazy lawsuit that has to do with an inmate and her pregnancy. Oh, and it is fucking, it is fucking crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, folks, thanks for tuning in. We love each and every one of you, even if you're a cat lover and a cat owner. Um, and even if you're going to die sooner than you than you were, you know, two years ago, we still right. love you. We still love mm -hmm. you, but you should be afraid, uh, very, very afraid, afraid, and so afraid that uh, it forces you right now to get on your laptop or your phone, um, uh, not while you're driving, pull over, and um, because we need you alive to buy the tickets to come to our live show mm -hmm. in Edmonton, mm -hmm. Vancouver. Because mm -hmm. so, it's a live show, not a dead show. That's right. We need. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so uh, ticket links are in the uh, episode description below, uh, or you can check out the link in our Instagram bio. 
Can't wait to see you, Edmonton. Can't wait to see you, Vancouver. We're also going to be coming to Calgary. Stay tuned for the details for that show. If you want to support the podcast, you can join us over on Discord. Uh, lots of fun stuff happening over there. You can help produce the podcast by giving us suggestions for articles to cover in the Feel Good Friday episodes. And uh, why don't you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it? Uh, lots of homework this week, so make sure you listen. There's going to be a test again next week where we'll remind you of this shit. Um, and uh, that's all I got to say. And if you have anything that you want to send our way, any questions about our podcast, about our about our personal ethics uh, and morals, then you can send that to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. Fill out the form. Also, let us know. Do you say folk or folk? I mean, you definitely <laughs> say folk because no one says folk. <laughs> uh, I just want to say a huge thank you to the, the people that I like to thank. But more importantly, I want to thank you, the listener, for being here with us today. If you made it this far, we can't do this without you. Otherwise, we'd just be doing this. This is We just do this. We just do this. We add each other. We just yeah. wouldn't use mics. Yeah. We yeah. just do it just and talk. hang out. Yeah. Uh, and a huge thank you to Jeff Lonis, our manager, and to Rich O'Coin for the theme music. Um, also, the best live show performer ever. Rich, we love you. So good. Uh, that is it for this week, folks. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.